to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, discuss the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews to the industry's hottest games. In episode 40, we talk about some recent plays, we reach into the mailbag to answer a question, and then we review the hotness of Barrage. Hey everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. Nah, I'm Richie. How are you settling back down to uh, to getting being back in the city, being back in Omaha, getting back to the grind? Oh, I'm not getting, going to baseball games every night. Yeah, no, I'm I'm getting back to what's important, playing board games. Well, that's good. Yeah, I noticed that. So. You know what I liked uh, last session? We recorded a podcast. We went and played one of those games right away that we had talked about on our list. Yeah. Oh yeah. It yeah. was really good. Was... Railways in a pond, and I, I did, I just took loans immediately, and that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do in that game, Richie? Uh, last place. Oh, <laughs> that, that's a Richie story. Yeah. <laughs> it always starts with "I took loans," and then last place. That's yeah. I think that's what Richie's uh, tagline should be. I took too many loans. <laughs> I was a little aggressive to start the game. That's it all. was, but it was, it was good. It was a fun play. Yes, right? it was. It was a good game. No, it's you know, I, I still overall think I like Age of Steam better because it is a little bit more you know just a little bit more punishing and a little bit tougher to kind of get going and it kind of you know you can't get up too high in your income and it'll keep knocking you down type of thing where in railways it's a little bit more forgiving i guess i would say railways is a better sort of pure and pun is pun is not intended here but pure engine building game meaning you're getting your routes and you're getting going and you ramp up and it and it feels like you can still kind of produce and every round you're getting a little bit bigger as long as you don't stick yourself too much in the beginning with all those loans but age of steam is a very just and i like this about it but with that auction you're constantly going, okay, if I get this much, do I have a route that gets me this much right. that then I can get a loan this next turn or can I not? I mean, if you have more than $3 left at the end of a turn, you you messed up. Right, I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Now, if let's say one of our listeners has never played Railways or, or Age of Steam or any type of train game, w- would you tell them to start with a Railways game before Age of Steam? I don't know. I'm. I, it kind of depends on their personality, right? Like, if you know that they like, you know, that tightness, that punishing game, you can head them straight straight into Age of Steam. But if they're really reluctant and you feel like that you, they don't know how they'd feel about it. It's Railways of Nippon is is more of a forgiving game in that you, like I said, you feel like you built something, you feel like you got something going. You know, there are some people, for example, there are some people with Pipeline. They just kind of feel like. They don't enjoy it as much because it's so grindy at the beginning as far as building your engine sometimes with that. And so I think that Age of Steam can kind of be the same way. What do you think, Richie? Yeah, there's definitely less pressure in the railways system, I think. And I actually, I'm, I'm lining up a little trade to get railways in Nippon. <laughs> uh, Architects of the West Kingdom is going uh, to a new home. Choo-choo! Ooh, there's a nice trade right there. Yeah, yeah. That's I thought it was pretty good. Because yeah. I think I can get Jessica into that easier than I could into Age oh, of Steam. okay. That's a good so point. So I'm going gonna to give that a shot first before I bust out Age of Steam on her. I, I agree. You probably, you over that auction in Age of Steam, you guys would probably come to fisticuffs anyways. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Chad, what have you been playing recently? Well, uh, one of the things I recently played, and we talked about this last episode, I got in another play of Artemis Project with my son. And that, yeah. that, was, nice. a, that was from uh, Grand Gamers Guild. And we... We really had a good time. Uh, Finn really, really enjoyed this one, and I, I think it's fun. 
I think it's a fun sort of dice placement game. I, I like it kind of as a family weight game too, because he, this was really nice because he's 10 and he started to see the combos that he could get in the buildings by getting different. Uh, he was going after the, I think they're the Marines. The, no, excuse me, the engineers, the blue guys. Yeah. So he's getting lots of buildings that did that, produce those. And then those guys produce minerals. And he was kind of chaining that together. And he figured out how to create this really great, this really great chain back and forth. And uh, it was really satisfying for him. It was fun to see him work through that. And so we had a really good play of that. And he beat me, actually. So Good, good. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad. It definitely is that nice, you know, I hate to say family weight Euro, but I mean, that's really kind of what I, I, not, but I feel like, you know, some, you know, people that like tapestry, I think this would be a great game for them. Well, you know, I think it has that same kind of feel, that engine type of build to it. I, I feel like you can almost play it in a couple of different ways, right? That two-player game that the way that we played it is a little bit more kind of create your engine, just watch the other player back and forth. But with like four players who are experienced gamers, I think in that game, you can really kind of be a little bit more aggressive with mm, it too. Okay, true. And you're looking at each other's dice and kind of blocking each other more. And, you know, because you have to, you have to work together on some of those expeditions. And so you can kind of stick it to people a little bit and leave them hanging, or you can outbid them on those buildings. And so I think, I think you can play this a couple of different ways is my is my estimation. But yeah, I, I like it. I like it as a family weight game that can get a little bit more dicey if you have some experienced gamers around the table. Don't mean to cut you off, Chad, from uh, telling any of your amazing games you're playing, but <laughs> I am I am dying to know because I just said that uh, magical word right now, tapestry, that uh, people are going crazy for. Uh, obviously, people heard my uh, kind of feelings on it. Richie, you got a play-in of it. I did. And before I talk about that, I got a little Ooh. bone to pick with you, buddy. Uh-oh. So Dan, when I, get, I come over, Dan says, hey, you want to play Tapestry? I'm like, yeah, I'll play it. I don't trust Clef all the time anyways. That's a good point. I wouldn't trust me either. Okay. So then I sit down at the table to play Tapestry, and then Clef says, hey, Richie, look over here. And he's got the gallers. Now, this is right, literally <laughs> the day after. <laughs> he said he would wait to play it with Exactly. You. The day after we recorded that last podcast, I need jerk. to get the gallers to the table. <laughs> as soon as he see, sees I'm wrapped up in another game, he busts out the gallers. <laughs> I, it was not my idea. It was somebody else's at mm -hmm. the table. They said, hey, I really want to play gallerist. And I was like, okay. However, it was not with that new scoring expansion that Chad has. So I'm still on board to play it. You know, that's really funny because I was over here at Clef's last night and I was thinking of stuff to bring over and I, I really wanted to get the gallerist with the scoring expansion. I was like, no, Richie won't be here. So I'm not going to do that because oh, Richie appreciate that, so buddy. I appreciate nice. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Richie, right, so you be nice. Back Tell us about tapestry. tapestry. All right. Now, I'm not going to go into the game because uh, Clef explained that last time. Here's what I'm going to say about tapestry. I, I cannot disagree with you, Clef, as far as it does not seem like there's much of a game there. Okay. I wouldn't say it's a bad game. I would say, I, I guess my issue with it is actually the production, which I actually usually like over production. But after I played it, I had the uh, Militants, which are War Track, and that's all I did. I just went up to War Track, and I won. I beat Brockman by 100 points, and I think I was like 30 or 40 points in front of the next person. And literally, all I did was just go up that red track. So not a lot of decisions. You not just, a lot of decisions. You just kind of said it's, this it's is the, the best only thing that made sense for me. Yeah. And I mean, the extra points that I got because I I had another little like towards the end once I got to the end of the red track. I had a I went up the other the green track, the science track, or whatever that is. Uh -huh. Whatever track sure. lets whatever. you yeah. move back and then hit it again. Uh huh. So I did that twice. So I got two other civilizations, and it was just random. You just take them at random, and I got random points out of them, and I won the game by like thirty or forty points. 
and I guess my big beef is that they compare this game to Mombasa, Russian Railroads, and Feast for Odin, with and the a Feast for Odin. The Feast for I mean, all of them are like just shadows. Like there's shadows of yeah. mechanisms that are in those games. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, in my opinion, it felt like the weight of uh, Medieval Academy. Remember mm-hmm. that old like oh, yeah. uh, where you're just going up tracks. Yeah, but that's like a twenty dollar game. Oh and yeah, this the, the is card game where you draft the cards. Yeah, you're and drafting playing, the yeah. cards. You're moving up the tracks. Like that's the that's, that's type of some weight. Decisions. I, okay, but anyway, let's move it on. Okay. <laughs> but I'm saying like that's the right, type the of weight, weight that it right. felt. So that's that's my big beef with it is that it feels like a like I'm getting a twenty dollar game, but I'm you know you're paying eighty to ninety bucks for it. And I, I would have to agree that map that just felt tacked on. Like yeah, completely. The the feast for Odin part just felt where you're completely putting those overproduced on. miniatures on that board. Where I mean. I don't know. I, yeah, that's. But like you said, you never really felt like you were making that many decisions. It was just, oh, well, that's the way I'm supposed to go, and I'm just going to move up that track. There's just not a lot going on in the game to make it where that great Euro feeling of, oh, my God, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. I can't do all those things. I've got to pick one thing to try to do and hope to maximize it. You just don't have that in the game. There's just, I don't, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed my play, but I, like, I at that price range, I just cannot, I could not recommend it. I could not purchase it myself. It's just way overpriced for what you're getting as far as gameplay goes. Yeah. Production's beautiful. They did a fantastic job with that, but sure. it's it's overproduced. It like it, it would have been, I think, better served if it was like a thirty to forty five dollar production. Like then I I would say like, right. hey, yeah, I mean, hey. give it a shot. And I and I think I it's I think it's a good game for people who are looking for that weight of a game just for our particular style of you know it's just that's where I'm saying it falls flat even price range I mean I'm like sure I would agree with Richie I'm never going to pay that much money for it but even just taking a way price point I still just don't think the game is worth mo- especially multiple plays I mean I can't imagine after two or three plays. What are you getting out of it after two or three plays? I mean, it'd be interesting to look at the other civilizations, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It's, the, I mean, yeah, the issue is the that there's just not not that many decisions that you're making, and your your civilization kind of tells you what to do, and and yeah. it's not a civ game. It's just not a no. it's not a civilization game. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense with what we've been saying. But Richie, tell me about a game that you played recently that you did enjoy. I got in a play. We played Kemet with the set expansion, which turns it into a one versus all Ooh, uh, game. Interesting. So and you were the one, of course. And right? I was, yeah, I was yep, the big that, bad. I'd give that. <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> and in this, so just normal Kemet is kind of dudes on the map where you have uh, power up tiles that you're buying that kind of give your uh, your troops or your your army different powers, and you're fighting and. For the most part, you're just trying to get eight points. That's how you win the game. You get eight victory points or ten victory points if you're playing the long game. And you win the game. There's various ways to get points, but usually it's through combat. With the uh, Kemet set uh, expansion, like I said, it turns into a one versus all. It was good. I would I would not play it this way all the time. I think I still prefer regular Kemet. But in this, what, what kind of changes is that the, the one, so when I was playing the uh, set or the big bad whatever, my goal in that game is either there's two ways that I can win, either destroy all of the troops, all of their units, or I get eight battle victory points. That's the only way I can get victory points is winning battles. And you get your own uh, temple board. So uh, the way that in the original game you took your actions is that you have this little uh, pyramid board and it has three different levels. And by the end of your turn, you have to at least have taken an action 
or by the end of the day phase, you have to at least have taken an action on each level. Works the same way for the big bad, but except he has four different levels, plus he has four different actions that affect a specific player, and you get one of each, one of everybody's uh, action tokens. So normally in a regular game of Kemet, you would everybody would have five action tokens. Um, in this, all the alliance, that's what they're called, the other people, they only have four action tokens. And now the day phase is broken up a little differently. So it's it's like a little track now. And it starts with the uh, the big bad. Then it goes to the alliance. And then uh, set gets another two actions, goes back to the alliance, and you alternate taking turns like that. And I started out strong, real strong. I bought, because you also have your own power tiles as a set. You have, you have your own purple power tiles that are strong. They're powerful. And I, I thought I was just going to run through them. And it, that did not happen. I got, I ended up actually losing uh, oh. badly. Wow. You <laughs> Towards got, the end. You got thumped? <laughs> but at the beginning, it was beautiful. I'll tell you what. It, I bought this hippo slash rhino thing, started tearing through people. <laughs> but I, it just went on a little too long for what I was, what I, you know, in order for me to win. And the way that the Alliance wins now is that they have to build a sacred temple, which are these nice plastic uh, pieces or plastic miniature pieces that they build up on in the desert. Uh, they have to get six permanent victory points, and then they also have to uh, make a great offering. So basically, uh, in the, since they were, there were three people in the Alliance, they have to each pay 10 prayer points all at one time. And they got... They got the six victory points actually a lot easier than I thought they were they were going to get. And the thing that actually was surprising for me is that like the divine intervention cards are like super important for the, the set character. And you only get one during the nighttime phase. And there are different power tiles that, you, that I probably should have gone after to improve that. But you're constantly getting hit because on the Alliance turn, I mean, they each get an action before you go again. So you're you're constantly getting hit. So I even though all my powers are like over the top, like they were just making me go through my battle cards quickly. And, you know, by the time I get back to my turn, I was just trying to recover essentially. But overall, I think it was a fun experience. I would definitely recommend it if you are an experienced Kemet player. Um, but like I said, I don't know if I would always play that way. Maybe like once in a blue moon. What did, what did uh, Jessica and, and the other couple that you played with, what did they think of it? They loved it, but uh, they also won. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> did they enjoy like kind of being an alliance as opposed to everybody out for themselves? Yes, you know, they did enjoy that because okay. they actually they thought at first, because I tell you, like the first few turns, like Kristen I was the first person that I attacked and she had a, a troop and a, a creature and I wiped them out in one shot. Uh-huh. So they were a little nervous at first, but also the thing that uh, is actually pretty cool for the Alliance is that they can mix their, their armies. They, they're still limited to five people in a troop or five yeah. okay. units in a troop plus a creature. But if they have other people's armies in there, they get to take advantage of their power tiles as well. Ooh. So like, if, and that's what, I mean, that's what their so whole strategy was, together, was getting that, getting, staying mixed okay. together so that they can have you know take advantage of all the power tiles that they had bought hmm. uh so i probably should have maybe like picked on one person and try to just get them out mm. like get their, their so that you get their power tiles out yeah the get way. their characters okay. thinned out but yeah i just didn't play it right but it was good it was solid if you like i said if you are into kemet uh and you're looking for a different way to play it this is 
definitely a fun way to play. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, we can talk about this next one I, that I'm going to bring up because I know you've played it. This is not a clef game, but I want to talk real quick about Empires of the North. Uh, oh, yeah, that's it's, not a clef game. No, it's a... Uh, it's, 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 take a nap real quick. Okay. Wake me when you're done. <laughs> See you in a bit. It's from Portal Games and Ignacy Trevicek. And uh, Richie, you know, we're both fans of Empire, uh, Imperial Settlers and mm-hmm. uh, 51st State. This new version, I really like it because I like that you have, you're not just taking actions off the cards anymore. You have that action rondelle and those player pawns. And it is really like a rondelle because you get to move your pieces one to the left or the right on that on that action rondelle which is randomized too they're little pieces that slot together so you may not have actions beside the same action from game to game basically Mm -hmm. and so if you've played imperial settlers you're still building out your card tableau but you're also using your action pawns to take these actions and you can be sailing to conquer other cards for points basically, or for resources that they give you. And uh, you have some resource management that has to happen with that too. But I really like that. And I also really like the sailing part of it because I feel like it, it would be so easy for them to just add sailing cards even and change the game up with an expansion that way. Which I think they're doing with the, is it Japan? Is that going to be the one that's going to be at Essen? Yeah, I think yep. that I've heard that that's going to come out at Essen. And I really like that these are pre-made decks that they're just coming out with, you know, and and with the action pawns that they have, they're, you know, that kind of makes it so that no... Uh, no civilization is going to be completely crazy like the Aztecs kind of were for Imperial Settlers. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely feel felt balanced. I think I've played three games now, so I've done three different factions, and none of them seemed crazy overpowered. Uh, Jessica did uh, the the one faction that... I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one that has like the beer. They're like the Vikings. Oh, yeah. She got a really good engine going with that one where she was just, I mean, she was taking out the boats because you get three, I think they get three boats to start. Right. So she was taking out the islands or whatever, and she was being able to get those put away. So she dominated in that game. That's the only time that I've seen like a runaway winner, like in a, in a faction. But also the way that the cards came out kind of, it worked well for them. But what's interesting about this game, too, is that you can, you basically tap cards that you use in this game as an action. So instead of attacking and burning down somebody's building like in Imperial Settlers, you just exhaust their their card for the round. So you can still affect each other, but it doesn't feel quite as costly or as aggressive, which may appeal to some of those people that Imperial Settlers turned turned off from that mechanism basically but again like i said i really like it if you're a solo player you should totally check into it because they have this wonderful book of scenarios that really really gives you some replay in the game and again i'm not a big fan of solo games unless there's a minimal setup and for this is it's pretty minimal yeah definitely minimal and and that's how it was with 51st state and imperial settlers those are both great solo uh, variants in there as well yeah so personally this makes me kind of want to get rid of 51st State. Uh, I I have all three of the games we just mentioned, and fifty. It, this is different than 51st State, although you do play to 25 points instead of a set number of rounds like Imperial Settlers. But for me, I thought, you know, I really like what this system does, but I don't need that much of it. And so the first one to go for me would be 51st State, I guess. They definitely streamline things in, in here but it almost felt lighter. Did it feel lighter to you, like the actual gameplay? I don't 
I'm not sure that it felt lighter, but well, maybe just because the actions were simpler to see. But I, I just felt like I don't know. I, I felt like it was the definitive experience that I wanted it to be. Because if I want to play heavier, I, I can play heavier. I guess I just like the multi-use cards in it and having a different faction every time I play. And this still does that. So I got you. I, I don't know. I want to see what that expansion adds before I make a, a decision. Because I mean, right now it would be I would just I would just stick with Imperial Settlers in Fifty First State. I think right now after my three plays but i want to see what that expansion adds and how it plays i could see going either way i don't know or maybe i'll just keep all three i don't know who knows <laughs> they're still good games they're all yeah, good they're games all good so. games well clef huh what <laughs> what um are we, are you guys done yeah <laughs> okay good. we're done all right I, i'm, I'm, uh, back. I'm Rick, back richie and i were actually you know we were talking football um because our teams are still somewhat decent right now whatever and, you still lost to <laughs> michigan i don't want to hear you're right uh, <laughs> but uh you know i i like how uh well michigan doesn't run the wildcat but northwestern sometimes runs a wildcat but anyway speaking of wildcat <laughs> <laughs> What a good transition. Uh, that may be the worst transition of all time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, well, first of all, I, I want to tell you guys about the uh, my last Friday night. Uh, you know how I usually have people over on Friday night to, to game here. Usually it's uh, my friend Dan and uh, friend Brent and uh, Ryan Brockman and you know a couple of other people. And we, uh, we had a game night this past Friday. So yeah, I had a, a couple of uh, celebrities here. Mike and Eric from the podcast Wisdom from Wizards uh, came up for the weekend. They were coming up here to hang out and play board games. And somebody told them, well, hey, you should go and uh, you know play at Clef's on Friday night, and which was cool. But then all of a sudden the basement erupted. We had like 18 people at one time down in the basement playing games. Whoa. <laughs> it's like a mini it, wizard con. It was, yeah, yeah, really kind of was a little mini wizard con. But it was it was a lot of fun. We got to play, I got to play a game of Decrypto with them with the new Laserdisc expansion. We got to play uh, Crosstalk, uh, played a lot of darts. We, you know, just, we were just, it was one of those things where we were just kind of hanging out and having a good time as people were kind of trickling in or whatever. Once we finally got to everybody here, we kind of split off into different uh, groups. And I kind of grabbed a few of our local uh, listeners here, uh, Jake and uh, Brian and um, Joe uh, Froisted, and we got in a game of Wildcatters. So that's oh, I still how, need to that's play how that. long that took for me to get to that bridge there that Chad, you know, <laughs> kind of set up for me there. Ah. So we got to play a game of Wildcatters, and I'm telling you guys, this game, I love it. Uh, I would have used, I used to say, you know, Haspel Connect and then Lignum are my number one and two from Capstone. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I got to relook at it, but I, I, Wildcatters might be at the top right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, and honestly, I mean, Wildcatters and Pipeline both might have surpassed both of those games. Uh, I mean, I, st I still enjoy them, and don't get me wrong, it's not like they're bad games anymore. Just those games are kind of, you know, have moved into my top Capstone games. Of course, Capstone's releasing so many games, that might change just yeah, yeah. Boom, I mean, boom, 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 in boom. a week. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, Wildcatters, uh, the game itself is a it's a stock game where you have uh, your shares of stock, and everybody has their own, you know, the four, four colors of, of stock shares. And basically, you are looking to strike oil in different parts of the world, and you have cards that tell you where you can kind of strike oil and it takes these workers to 
do these different actions. Okay, I don't want to go too much into the game, but you do these things where you then strike oil, and then you try to deliver the oil to these refineries. And the really cool part about this game and where you can really be kind of mean in a way is, did you see Richie perk up there for a second? Okay, really mean in a way is you try you when you def, when you deliver to their refineries they have to pay you two of their shares every time that you send an oil to their refineries and whoever you know who else does it who's not that their, that person's refinery and if you can't give somebody a share like if you don't have enough shares in your hand of your own color you've got to take a loan and listen to this when you take a loan you get 10 shares if you can pay that loan back on the beginning of round five, you have to pay back 18 shares, okay? If you can't pay it back by then or have to take one after round five at the end of the game, you have to pay for a 10-share loan, 25 shares. And for every share you cannot pay back at the end of the game, you lose one victory point. So it is, I mean, besides maybe like at the Gaines of Loyang, which is maybe the the worst place to take a loan in that game. This might be the next worst game to take a loan. You do not want to take loans. It is, you are actively trying to make sure that you have enough shares to always pay people. And everybody's trying to basically, I mean, and sometimes you even like, it's a group thing where three of you will be like, hey, let's go nail their refinery and see if we can <laughs> screw them. That's really how it was. We all got screwed at least once in the game where we had to, you know, had to pay and go get a loan. You're like, ah! It sounds pretty bad, um, though, taking loans in this game. It, it is. It's very bad. So I want to play Richie then. I was okay, like, maybe I should play, play this game. Yeah. It is it's so good. I will say this. You want to play it at four players, though. You can play a dummy player where you have to, where you just have their stock involved in the game, but you don't want to do that. You want to play this game at four player. So is it three to five or? Nope. Four, three, three to four. Three to it's four. Two to, it's technically or two to four. It's technically two to four. But let's just say it's four player. Okay. Let's just go with that. Okay. And definitely, I know our good friend Ben, this is definitely on our ri- ATB list con. to play for ATB con. So, I'm in. Yep. Okay. We'll probably have to play it multiple times over the course because it is so good. The other part is it's got a little area control where when you send your oil barrels down to different regions, you can either choose to put your barrels down there or take shares from it. And so it's kind of a, ooh, do I want to get shares or do I want to put them down there for those points? Uh, Great game. Let me tell you this. I'm terrible at this game. I have played it five times now, and I've come in dead last all five games. (laughs) So if you're looking to win this game or at least not finish dead last, play me. (laughs) But I love it. I just, oh, it's so good. There's so much player interaction there's so much kind of thought process it's long i mean don't I mean, it's a seven it's seven rounds and it takes a while i mean don't don't start it at you know one o'clock in the morning like we did on friday night because you'll be playing for a while but it is oh so much fun and I, I love it and yeah so if you like kind of heavy economic kind of really you know interactive type of games wildcatters is definitely a game that you should check out well i'm excited to play that Okay. Yeah. ATB gone. I'm, we're doing I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna play some good games at ATB gone. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. We, we've got. I. I we're, we're getting people trickling in too. I, people that uh that really? are interested in in coming out and playing some games with us. So I, nice. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, did you get Beyonce yet? No. Not oh. yet. I'm what? working on it though. I thought for sure you'd have Beyonce. <laughs> I mean, by now. There. No. Nope. <laughs> for sure. I know. No. One well, more one more uh-oh. game that I want to talk about, and the oh. only reason I'm bringing it up is because you guys have bugged me and bugged me about it, and I did bring it tonight, but 
I got in a play of Teotihuacan with the expansion. I didn't hear what what, what game was that? Yeah, what, what game? Teotihuacan. <laughs> okay, I still yeah, think it broke go. up. You know, one, one more. Hold on, hold on, Michelle, are you listening? Okay, Chad, one more time. I think we need Ben to pronounce this, maybe. <laughs> um, so, so it's it's called the expansion's a horrible name, but late pre-classic period, I think, is what the expansion's called. But it's it's hey, a, you can pronounce it. Yeah, I can. That's true. That's true. As opposed to some of the other stuff, uh, they have made a great expansion for this game. Really love it. Really love it. It adds powers. Okay, just like, and again, I'm gonna liken it to Zulkan because because it you know it's kind of the same ilk or same theme, but. They have the powers, which are really fun to, to play with. Some, just as you'd expect, are easier to play with than others. And there's another new god track to move up, which can uh, link to different things. They've also kind of nerfed the the building. Um, not, I won't say nerfed it, but they've made it a little bit more so even, kind of. The, the tile... The tile building, okay, because yes, that really you had to do that to win the game. Yeah, the and so original. they okay. they've kind of you can do that, but they don't make it quite as as beneficial. You you've got to do a, a few different things with it. So um, I don't remember exactly what, but they just kind of changed the rules a little bit, just a little tweak. And then of course you've got more spots around the board to kind of mix up uh, to visit with your dice. So it's it's perfect because really there's not much. As far as mechanisms that it adds, it just adds even more variety and a couple extra things that you know. If you're already playing the game, it's it's easy to add in. Man, we should have we should have asked to play this because I mean, it sounds really good. Right. It's been a while too since he's had it. And oh, yeah. I did just now bring, bring it, it over. You guys are such whiners. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you have a chance to play this gang, you uh, you really should check it out. So that's uh, Teotihuacan. The late pre-classic period. All right, gosh, we better we better get this podcast moving. This is gonna All be right. a five-hour guy right here. Yeah, yeah we'll move. <laughs> well, fellows, uh oh, we got more mail. No, Ooh, get out of town. More mail in All the right. mailbag. Who do we got? Who just sent us an email this time? We got a letter from Gabby. Ah, one of our, right. one okay. of our local listeners. And she said, I've recently been thinking about upgrading some of my games. But alas, I don't have an endless fountain of money, so I have to make some choices. My question is, how do you guys decide to buy upgraded pieces for your games? And how do you decide which games to get inserts for? I know Chad just bought... Didn't you just buy a couple of inserts here recently? Yeah, I, I bought a few. And they were for... First of all, they're for some of my top games. I bought one for Gaia Project, which is one of my faves, and put that together. And I bought another one for Agricola. And so they are kind of they're gonna make it so that I can I can basically get those games out easier, you know? That yeah. they're more organized because lo- all the games had lots of bits to them and set up and stuff. And so that's folded space made those inserts. And actually it sounds kind of nerdy, I guess, but I enjoyed kind of putting those together they came in the uh gentis deluxe with tmg made made the same insert from folded space and so i saw how those worked in the game and thought oh yeah i mean these are light too because sometimes you get those inserts and they're heavy they make the box a lot heavier so it's basically for me as far as inserts go it's about my favorite games with lots of pieces getting to the table a little bit easier what about you um, and I, I mean, I have bought a lot of inserts, especially lately, because I have been trying to rather than buying a game that's not going to hit the table, I try to 
buy something that's going to allow me to play my games quicker. I know I own over 30 inserts because right? I, I did back the Folded Spaces Kickstarter a while ago. And I bought a bunch from Tower Rex not too long ago as well. Uh, but like one of them that I brought over to show uh, Clef tonight was key, the Keyflower insert. Because one, I have all three expansions. So one, if I can get rid of boxes, that's the first thing I try to do. So like Keyflower, because I had the... I had both expansions for it and I had them in separate boxes. So this allows me to get rid of those two boxes and get everything into the base box and actually keep it organized so it's easy to pull out. Like if I don't want to play with farmers or I don't want to play with the merchant expansion, I can easily just pull out the base tiles. Uh, another one that I bought bought it for was uh, Cyclades. So I had, once again, it, that's a big box game. It comes with uh, I had the two big box expansions, so the Titans and the Hades expansion. Just getting rid of boxes. Anytime I can get rid of boxes, I, I will usually buy an insert. Or if it just makes the game easier to play. So like Gaia Project, like the one that you had, I have that one too. And Russian Railroads. I think I showed you the Russian Railroads one, didn't I? Uh, yeah, no, that one was really good. Yeah, yeah it keeps the mm -hmm. the uh, train tiles separated, so you can easily just set them out on the table yeah. and go. So M Much nicer, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Clef? Do you uh, have any... Uh... Well, no, and I'll, I'll, obviously I'm going to give the, the alternate view... You know, inserts for me are not something that I am going to spend my money on. I I do not find them to be enough of a time saver to, you know, because quite honestly, some of those inserts, and maybe, you know, maybe I don't know about the ones you guys are talking about, but some of those inserts cost as much as the game. And I'm just like, I just don't see spending that much money just to simply store my game when I can just throw it all into plastic baggies. Yes, I understand some in some games like that Keyflower game. I was like, wow, that would be so nice because, you know, it does take a while or something like, a you know, a Russian railroads, things that have lots of pieces. I definitely can see the value in them. And if it is, I mean, if it's one of your favorite games and you're going to play it a lot, I definitely see, yes, an insert would be good. So, so when, what about our other question? Upgrades. I mean, real what? Quick, so when you so when you sit down oh. and you're going to show someone your favorite game of all time, Great Western Trail. You're fine just throwing a plastic bag at them like they're like they're garbage. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because if an insert makes a difference to them liking the game, then I probably don't want to play with them. <laughs> I totally disagree, but I will I will say I speaking of that, um John from 3D Trays LLC made me really nice insert for uh, for Great Western Trail, thick, thick plastic, and really separated so that I can tilt it on its side and and the stuff doesn't fall out, which is always important because I store my games vertically. But yeah, I, and I, and you know, I showed I showed that uh, to some friends the other day, and they were like, "Wow, this is really nice." And I, I, you know, they don't play a lot of games, and they're like, "This is coming the game." No, but you know, and so I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, like. My favorite game, Great Western Trail. I don't feel like an insert's necessary for it. You are simply pulling everything out, anyways. Now, I got those nice little bags from uh, what you call it from Board, Board Game, game Geek. Geek. You know, yeah, that, those those I would say are a necessity. They're, they're not bad, yeah, because I mean, they you can you know you put all the things in it, it kind of stores them, but it's just really like a glorified plastic baggie, you know. But I just don't see. The, I pour everything out of a plastic bag. What's the difference of dumping it out of a tray? Where's the difference there? Well, with some of those tile things, it's separated already. So then you don't need to spend five minutes separating each category of chits or tiles or whatever. So for some of those games, it's kind of nice to, to But have I'm that. talking about Great Western Trail right now. Yeah. I'm saying specifically, when I take the, my baggie that has all my cards in it and my tile and my tiles in it and everything in it, I'm dumping it all out. 
the same thing when if you have the Great Western, because I think we didn't we play your copy with the insert, or was it your copy? They, yeah, I have a I have okay. an insert for mine. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm still taking it. I'm still dumping it right out of that box. I mean, that's I, I just don't see, you know, like a game like Keyflower where it's nice because you keep all the tiles separated or whatever. I I can see the value in it, but a game where all I'm going to do is pull everything out of the baggies anyways. I, or, you know, or the box, if it's that, I just don't see it being a useful thing. Once again, I am a very minority person in this. I know most people love inserts and by all means, I think if it is your favorite game, you know, for Gabby's question, getting back to her question, if it's one of your favorite games, I would say it's a good reason to buy an insert. Or if it's a game that really you're like, oh, I don't want to take this out because it's so much setup and it eliminates a lot of that then definitely I think that would be a reason to get an insert. All right, well, let's get to her other part of the question, yes. which was upgraded yeah. pieces. How do you decide what games to buy upgraded pieces for? Okay, so I'll let you guys answer that question maybe a little bit more because here's what I'm going to say. When I say upgraded pieces for me, I want upgraded pieces that are going to make the game more easily played. So here's what I'm going to say. What do I like, okay? Poker chips. I love the brass poker chips. Why? Because they're nice and I can shuffle them. But also, they, to me, make the game very nice and easy to play. You can read the numbers right on them. It's very easy. Everybody understands it. It's an easier thing to make the people be able to further play the game. The other thing, and I thought I'd bring, thought I'd bring these over. So uh, another one of our local listeners, Ryan Brockman, he has 3D bit space. And he makes these little, um, like little trays that you use for, you know, putting your bits into. And I love these things because he, he makes them out of, you know, whatever that material, plastic material that you use for the 3D printing. Not only does he make them like as just a regular bowl that you can, you know, put your normal things in, but he has these ones that have a little dual. So a lot of times when you have little components in a game, so you can put that. And he even has these ones that are try. So try sections or whatever so you can put lots of little things in there and it doesn't take up as much room as like when you're using a regular you know bowl or whatever type of thing so when i say upgrade my games i really kind of talk about an overall thing i like these type of things where it's something i'm using in every game or like i said like the brass poker chips where i'm going to use those things in every game i don't need I can play Kalos and just have those regular old, you know, wooden cubes for every single just in different colors. It doesn't matter to me. I don't need to upgrade that because I'm not going to get any necessarily any more enjoyment out of the game where these will make it a better thing. So, all right, you. All right, what about you, Chad? That's the more economical decision, and that's that's I would kind of agree with that, actually. What I'd say to Gabby is look at those games that you can get things that benefit more than one game. The poker chips are a good example. I know that Gabby really enjoys Grand Austria Hotel. If she also had Lagranja getting a pair of white Chessex dice, or a pair, getting a bunch of white Chessex dice for both of those games together would be a nice way to upgrade her game. So stuff that maybe is in common, or if you like realistic resources, sometimes you can get some of those that are realistic resources that you can use in a bunch of, of the same games. And so those are kind of nice too. So if you can get stuff that's that's better for more, for more than one game, as Clef was saying, that's kind of the way I tend to do it usually. And I'm going to go the opposite end, Gabby. Sell some plasma, sell a kidney, whatever you got to do. <laughs> if it's a game that I would say if it's in your top 100, it's something that you get to the table a lot. You know, if it's got paper money, 
replace it with metal coins. Like Lords of uh, Vegas, I have two sets of poker chips that are in there. Oh, like Chad said, the realistic resources. It's If it's your favorite game, it's an experience when you put it on the table. It's just like if you went to a fancy restaurant, you got a uh, filet mignon and they brought it out on a paper plate and gave you a plastic fork and knife. You, you're not going to be happy with the experience. Uh, I, well, I mean, I can still pick it up and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gabby, thank you for the email. And if anyone else has any questions they'd like to discuss on the show, you can shoot us an email over at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. And I think it's time to head on over to your corner there, Clef. All right, let's do it. So this week on I'm guessing I'm getting my segment taken over again. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna railroad you a little bit. Oh boy, are we allowing that, Richie? Or is that a flag? Throw a flag on that one. Ten yards for money. Sorry. Look, I just want to share with our listeners, and I know Clef that you'd be 100% into this. It's honestly what I wanted to talk about too. You said, "Hey, let me talk about. Let's let's do it." I'm I'm excited for this one. All right. Well, Joshua Starr from Grand Trunk Games is coming now with a Kickstarter. Actually, it should be up by the time our episode launches and even around for at least, I think, 24 more days. Uh, This is two 18xx games in one box, which is extra special. We're talking about 1861 Railways of the Russian Empire and 1867 Railways Canada from Grand Trunk Games. And this looks this looks really exciting. Um, you know, Josh has put out some some blogs lately about the games, and he's trying to sort of mass produce more 18xx games. He's talked in his blogs about making them more accessible. You know, one of the things is time, so he's actually introducing variants of of a teaching thing or, and shorter versions of some of mm. these games, yep. where you start by auctioning off a couple of companies together, so you have kind of a starting round that you go through quicker. And he calls these, you know, this 1861 and 67 can be weeknight games. Mm, So if you're an experienced gamer, we're talking like three hours, which isn't short. But I mean, for Railroad 18xx games, that's good, right? Yeah, yeah. better than like a seven or eight hour game that some of them can take, you know, for your, yeah, when you're playing them. Sure. So these two games that we're talking about are some really nice, again, intros. They kind of... They kind of introduce mechanisms as you go, and you're seeing how the minor companies move to mergers and, and into the major companies and that sort of thing. So it, it kind of gives you these mechanisms and bits and drabs as the game goes on. So you're you're getting comfortable with that. I'm I'm really excited for this uh, for this Kickstarter. I'm really excited for the way that Josh talks about trying to you know, get te- get 18xx out to a larger audience. It was interesting the discussion that he and Ray and a few of us were having on on Twitter because Ray was like, "Yeah, you know, Ray, a city of the big shoulders," you know, was saying, "Yes, we want more of these kind of games," you know, and and we were all just kind of talking like, I think 18xx when it's talked about is kind of like a badge that people wear sometimes. Mm, like, I'm, I'm a heavy gamer. Yeah. I play 18xx, you know, and so it gets this 
aura of being too daunting or a certain kind of intelligence that you have to have to play the game. It's really like an investment. But the cool thing is, like I said, Josh is trying to lower the bar for that investment, both in time and in, you know, the sifting through a good a good manual, uh, those kinds of things. So I'm really excited for this. 1861, 1867. You guys should really, uh, really check it out. Yeah, I, I definitely, and I was reading your guys' uh, your, your talk or whatever, and, and I agree with you. And I, I think that one of the great things, and you said this before, of Raymond's, you know, City of the Big Shoulders, I think that made it more accessible to some people that maybe 18xx was too much for. And I think maybe that's a good thing that Josh is doing is trying to bring a game that's maybe a little bit more not overhead and, like you said, time to the masses to to make 18xx not quite the, you know, uh, stereotypical eight to nine hour game that just really drags and you need, you know, you've got to sit here and do math after math after math. I think that's good. And I'm I'm excited about that. I mean, I'm I'm definitely all in on this. And uh, yeah, and, and like I said, you know, I think that Ray's trying to say basically, you don't have to be intimidated. You know, here's worker placement, you're familiar with that, and then here's some other stock stuff yeah. on top of it, you know. And and that's really what City is is kind of City kind of does. It's just and it's really been interesting to see some of uh, the people within our our larger game group here in Omaha say, "Oh, well, I I really like City. Maybe I could try my hand at some yeah. of this 18xx stuff, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Ray's trying to do. Right. And so it's great for that. Yeah. I I put out on our Slack group the other day. And by the way, if you're not in our Slack group, you're missing out. Um, I give great questions like, "Hey, what's your favorite game of 2019 so far?" I mean, that's that's pretty riveting right there. But <laughs> it was pretty split. We had a lot of people saying PAX Premier. Yeah, I was surprised at yeah, how many people were throwing yep. out PAX. And then we had a lot of people saying City of the Big Shoulders, and I was like, "Wow!" You know, I mean, I was really glad that it wasn't, you know, oh, Tapestry, Wingspan. You know, there was a couple people said Wingspan or whatever, but I was happy to see that a lot more people are playing some of these deeper heavier games but they don't have quite that overhead as maybe as was what they used to and so more people are able to get into these games i mean i've never played any other pax game but i've certainly heard some of the other pax games are you need to have a, a doctorate degree to learn some of these games you i've, know, I've so tried to games. read the rules for a couple pax games yeah. and it's it's, it's tough, been rough right exactly that's <laughs> been rough where that's one of the wonderful things that cole uh, cole worley did with you know pax premier is made that more accessible to you know, the, the, the masses or the people that maybe aren't as much into those games. So I, this is great. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this uh, Kickstarter coming out. All right. Well, check it out. 1861 and 1867 on Kickstarter right now. Well, let's move on to our featured review, Sabotage. Scheming on a thing that's a mirage. I'm trying to tell you now. Let's play barrage. <laughs> this is why we need um. show notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sure hope that was as funny to all our listeners as it was to us. <laughs> um, I'm a little speechless now, Richard. Uh, so am I. I was not. I didn't see that coming. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm. I was gonna tell everybody about Barrage. <laughs> okay, Barrage, a one to four player 
uh, game that takes around, I would say, probably 90 minutes approximately. Um, it is designed by Simone Luciani and Tommaso Bautista uh, with art by Antonio De Luca. And I apologize for any of those names that I didn't quite get right there. And that is uh, published by Cranio Creations. So, um, Barrage, let's talk a little bit about it here quickly. It is a game where you are basically kind of trying to control the dams, which then stop the water up. And you're trying to, like, use water for power or energy that kind of then kind of run your world and then score you a bunch of victory points. Um you have a player board where you're going to have four different types of buildings that you then you have a, a wheel that you are able to use tiles to be able to build those different buildings. So, for instance, like a dam or like a level up of the dam to make it a bigger dam or a power conduit or a um, powerhouse, which basically is how you, you know, make the energy go. When you place a tile on this wheel where you place your excavators and your concrete mixers uh, to build these things, and this is really kind of one of the cool parts of this game is this wheel that you use, when you put those in there, you get to crank it one time, but until you get to like crank it around a full rotation, that tile that build that certain building and those concrete mixers and excavators that you put there, they're stuck on that wheel until they come back around. So it's a one, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing where you're trying to continue to build, but sometimes you might be like, Ooh, I want to build a certain such and such, but you can't because it's kind of stuck on that wheel and you got to get it back around. Now you also have ways to buy other tiles that then, you know, you might be able to build the same building twice in a, same turn before it gets back around so you do have that the other part of the game is it's a big worker placement game there's a lot of different spots out there that you go and place workers and this is a typical this is the type of worker placement game where you might have a spot where it only takes one worker but you might have a spot that takes two of your workers or might have a spot that takes three of your workers and you got to pay some money to use it so it's obviously try to get to certain spots quickly uh, so that you're trying to force your opponent either to not even have a spot or to have to pay more of their workers to be able to take these actions. And then you got the main board where it kind of has the water flowing down. There's four different rivers or whatever that it flows down. And when you catch it in your dam or a neutral dam, uh, you move it through your conduit to your powerhouse. And when you do that, that supplies you energy that then you get to move up on this energy track. And depending on how much energy you used, you might be able to complete a contract, which then gets you other things like other concrete mixers or excavators or maybe a tile or something different, you know, or victory points for that matter. You get to activate those um, those contracts. And then, but it's also kind of a race up there where you're trying to have the most energy at the end of the round because then you get some victory points and you also get more money when you have it up there. Uh, lastly, real quick, I'll just say you also have special player powers. Not only does your main board have a special player power, but then you also get a extra power that you also get to use that is unique only to you. And that makes every game different because you're, you know, you're going to be mixing and matching those different powers and getting to kind of see what differences, you know, that they kind of get to make. Uh, 
end of the game, it's five rounds. Most victory points wins the game. So, sorry, a little bit of a rough overview, but I don't want to go too much into detail on you there. I think that was perfect. Uh, without any Aww. notes, I'm pretty impressed, actually. Thank you. That Thank was you. nice and smooth. Man. Man, I'm, I feel pretty good, man. <laughs> you should. <laughs> okay, so, well, uh, we always start off with art and components, and we're going to go to... Chad, start off with. Well, this is, is this is an interesting one to talk about art and components because you this is a Kickstarter version that we have because it's not out yet unless you did the Kickstarter. Right. And you have the 3D board, too, where it's on foam core with magnets that kind of oh, go down. I had to have it. I have to upgrade all my games. I had to get it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, at least you went all in on that comment, so we can't say anything else. But I will say it. Your copy came okay. We we saw a lot of copies around. Yeah, no problems whatsoever. That that uh, a lot of people had problems with this, mm-hmm. and I can see why. Uh, some of the wheels were not turning. Some of the boxes really split for some people. There were a lot of problems with this, and I think I'll just say I think what they did that shot them in the foot is when they offered the Kickstarter. They said, "Hey, one of the things about getting in on this Kickstarter is you're going to get to." play this six months before Essen, six months before anybody else. Right, that was huge. And so people were excited about that and hopped in. And so I think when they could have done quality control on components and held it back a little bit more, they didn't because, you know, their backers were wanting to get this much earlier. Well, and it was even, it wasn't even six months beforehand. I mean, it was probably three months Right, maybe, maybe even two months before Essen, so they didn't. Yeah. they were already way behind. So yeah, so they had to ship it out. And, and not that my components were perfect. Those little wheels. I was say your wheels were a little warped. It's a little warped, and you've got to kind of you got to be careful, otherwise the thing will slide under it. But yes, so. But I I will say this, and and the idea, the theme behind this is a steampunk vibe. So it's like kind of nineteen twenties, thirties, and you each, you know, the powers that you talked about. You're a country. You're your U.S. or your Italy or Russia or something like that, running your your power company but the art i thought was great i mean it fits the theme there's a little bit of you know uh literal darkness to the colors and the saturation and stuff but it has that art deco 1920s feel to it and i think that that's pretty good i didn't do much with the rule book uh we only had a couple questions with it but i think that they were pretty pretty straightforward i i liked it i mean Again, there were some serious problems with some of the components here, but overall, the art style, I'll say, was pretty pretty good. The main issue is that it was being sold as a deluxe game, and then they had these issues, and I, I think that's the really the thing that hurts it, uh, especially with those wheels. I think it wasn't a big as big of a deal in your copy, but I have seen some pretty bad ones, and I, I mean, I would be upset if I had oh, paid because yeah. what was I mean, it's over a hundred bucks, right? One hundred and fifteen dollars, I think. Was yeah, if I paid one hundred fifteen bucks, yeah. and that's what my game showed up like, I, I would be upset. Yeah, I would feel like I got ripped off. Right, and so I can understand that certainly. I would say. I would say though too. One thing I would say is because it's very important on this board to be able to see all the connections and what goes where. I kind of feel like there are maybe a, a few color choices that m- might have made some of the the conduits and the and the connections pop just a little bit more cuz sometimes on your first couple plays that's difficult to see what connects to what and that's really important in this game yeah. from an interaction standpoint. Yeah, I'd agree. Now, yeah. are they are they sending you new water? I bet that's the only other thing that was I would say a, a big problem was the the water droplets well, that were included in the yeah, game. Yeah, um, well, real quick, let me, because I, I will say, and usually components are not, you know, obviously a huge deal for me. There are a lot of things I really, really like about the components in this game, and there are some things that 
you know, are, are kind of bad. Uh, first, we'll say the water. Those water droplets that they sent were ridiculous. They, like, I refer to them like, you, you know, you see a little gangster. He's got the little teardrop under his eye type of thing, you know. Literally, you could stick these under your eye. That's And they're just that little plastic. Like, yeah, like those, uh, you see them in like kids, uh, like cheap kids. Yeah, yeah. Like paint, that's, makeup yeah, things. Yeah, that's, that's probably better than yeah. a gangster. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, tattooed. That's, they, <laughs> I literally, I mean, I started to play with them the first game, and like halfway through the game, I was picking them all up and, and you know, basically, I, I might have thrown them away. I don't even know what I did with them. And I grabbed the water from Haspel Connect. And use the water Which for worked that. really well. Is good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really, perfect for that. You exactly think it was made for they, the game. Yeah, yeah, they should have used that. That's exactly what should have been used. So, um, so yeah, that was a bad call. Otherwise, the other thing that uh, I hate when they make games where you have the small little piece that's worth oh. one and another one that's a little bit bigger that's worth three and then another one that's a little bigger that's yeah, worth that's five. Bad. Oh, I just, oh, I hate that. And they love to do that too. Yeah, those those I know, uh, Italian like Marco designers. Polo, yeah. I just, and, uh, and the I color variations are not, not strong enough. enough. They're no. not strong enough I, to tell. And the, even the sizes between like the one and the three are not like just to look at it at a glance and be like, I know that's a one. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to do. It I guess I should say at least compared to like Marco Polo, where all they did was make them bigger, at least they tried to make a different yeah, I guess color. So. But boy, I wish they would just do something different in that way because that's that's tough. This uh, did also come with some some metal coins. They're lightweight, but I like the Art Deco design oh on the yeah, metal no, coins. So yeah, those were yeah, kind of yeah. nice too, though. Um, the, no, I'll say this: so something I liked is the 3D board was neat. I mean, for yes. a component yeah. that is never really something has happened. Now, I played with it once or twice. I'm not going to play with it anymore. I'm not going to spend the time to do it. I'm just going to, I'll tell you this. I actually, I use the 3d components of the board because they have the little, uh, uh, like the scythe, uh, what do you call that? The, you know, where you can put the piece in, it doesn't move. What am I uh, you know? The inset boards. Yeah. The inset yeah. boards. Uh, the, I use the 3d board cause it has those 3d insets, but I don't use the layers anymore. I just kind of stick it together and it does yeah. good enough. And so me. people should know when we talk about the 3d boards too, it's not like a relief map where the mountains are higher on that or anything. It's just a three tiered board system yeah. where one board sits higher because it's uphill. And then a second board is a little lower. And Which then, I, so I mean, it, it helps convey that the theme as well. I think really well. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I, yeah, for something new that I'd never, you know, None of us had ever seen anything like that. I think they did a nice job. I mean, I think they yep. had a, a good idea there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a game that I'm going to say some components are going to get an A and some components are going to get an F. It's kind of a, you know, a mix match. Overall, I, is it still playable? For me, yes. So, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to give it a pass. So, yeah, so now uh, let's move on. Well, Rule book is something that we talk about, and I know Chad kind of touched on this. I'm going to be the one who talks about this because I was the one who did the rule book or read the rule book. Um, I think it's say, for the most part, a very solid rule book. I was able to sit down and learn this game within a very, very short time. Did not take me very long at all. It was a maybe a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes at best, and that's with setting everything up and kind of reading through the rule book, that I had a very good understanding of how to play the game and was able to teach it. Now, in the same sense, I will say there were a couple of very small rules that I did not feel like were very well portrayed in the rule book. The one rule about where the water and this one, Chad, you you had uh, one of our local listeners, uh, Joe Farrell, 
you know, say this one to you and you're like, oh, we've never played that way. And that's because in the rule book, it's not the best written out. It's just kind of one little sentence at the bottom and it, it just not where it should be, where it says the water, once you use it, kind of bounces to the next dam further down. And if it has room, it will stop there. And if it doesn't, it will continue on. And I just completely missed that. Now, it didn't make the game a much big difference, in my opinion, but it still was something that I was playing wrong. Not that, you know, that's a another normal thing for me. But Another variant that made the game harder. Yes. <laughs> well, and that one wasn't me, okay? So that was clap. That's, but, that's our thing. Yeah. <laughs> we just like to make games harder. I will say, though, that adds a, another layer of thinkiness because when we did play it, when Joe and I did play it that way, it was really interesting because you can sort of set up water to come down off of a dam that you're going to use to another dam that you're going to be able to chain together. And so you can even do that within a turn because you can bounce water and then you can have another activation of a dam and and chain that water through sure, dams. So sure. it's it can be really satisfying to to be able to set those combos up, which is nice. Sure. But back to the rule book, otherwise, I mean nice colored pictures, very nice explanations, everything has an example, um, every like bonus tile all written down in there. So I would say this is definitely an A rule book. I mean, definitely good, You easy to me to learn this game for the most part out of the rule book. Okay, well, you guys ready to get the meat and potatoes of this game and, and talk about the gameplay? Well, I mean, what, what really the game is all about? Yeah, definitely. All right, Richie, tell me, what is your, what's your thoughts on the gameplay? Mean. It is a mean, tense game. I, I would say the complete opposite of Black Angel, which was the last game that we reviewed. Like. <laughs> I was just thinking the yeah. exact wow. same thing it's out of your mouth. Opposite. Yeah. Wow, absolutely. Immediately when you start the game, you you don't have enough workers, you don't have enough time. This is what I love about Simone's games and the other designers as well, is that I mean you get like five or six rounds, like in almost all of their games. And that's just not enough time <laughs> to yep. do what you want to do. And especially in this game where people can swoop in, steal your water, mm-hmm. you know, build up their dam so that the water you know, stops Doesn't with them. You. Yep. Yep. That's right. Uh, yeah. It's a solid game. A lot of tough decisions. And I love, I love the wheel mechanism. Yeah. If they, I want to see that in, in another game from them as well. That, that would be great to see in another game as well, where, you know, you, you're not losing your workers. I, that's another thing I hate with some worker placement games. Like if, you know, you send your worker somewhere, you just lose it. It's just, you, you really got to time it out. And, right. it, you know, you want to try to make that as efficient as possible, not to have to take the action to move it a couple turns if you can. But sometimes it comes down to that where you just have to do that to get it done. It's so. another evolution of their game Zulkin, where time is mm-hmm. a resource there, kind of. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so waiting for that wheel to get back around for you, basically, so you can use that stuff. But yes, Richie, I totally agree. Watching this tenseness of who's going to take what, and I see something right now, but do they see what I see that I can use later? I mean, this game really should be called I Drink Your Milkshake, the game. Yes. Honestly. <laughs> So I, I just I really enjoy the tenseness of of the game. Would you say that this is the most interactive game that Luciani has done? I mean, if you think about Zulkin and Newton and, uh, you know, Lorenzo, I mean, to me, this has got to be the most player interactive where you really can screw people over. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. And I, I mean, there are times where I do want to bash your head in with a with the bowling ball <laughs> wow. you know, just, <laughs> just to call back to the i am to not the, playing yes, this game with richie yeah. <laughs> i forgot i forgot it happens in yes, that I'm movie calling, it's okay he's I'm just calling back, back to the there movie. will be blood that's it all wasn't, it wasn't something he i'm just not of. going to hurt clef 
maybe. No, I, I, I totally, I totally uh, agree in that sense. And like I said, there's a lot of tension there. I think it's definitely the most aggressive of his games. And so, you know, I don't know if people got the sense when you're explaining it, but Richie could spend, you know, three turns building up this great dam you know, downstream and, and a power conduit to be able to use it and get these points. And then Cleft, you could jump up to the top of the stream and build a dam where you just caught the water and it's not going to drop down to Richie anymore. Right. He can't use it at all. And and just so everybody kind of understands, to build down at the bottom, a lot cheaper. To build in the middle, a little bit more expensive. To build all the way at the top, really expensive. So it's hard to build up at the top. But if you plan it right, you can do that and kind of screw those people that were trying to get that water down to the bottom. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a great part of the game. And then you can have dams a little bit further downstream where you can send that water you just dammed up and used to a to a dam that's further downstream yeah. now and Absolute. chain it together. Absolutely. Nice thing, I think, also in this game, you start with all your workers. You know, it's kind of nice and refreshing almost just to have a game where you just start with all your workers and you don't feed your workers you don't have to pay your workers. You don't have to do anything with your workers. They just go and work for you. So that's kind of a neat thing. You know, it's got a little bit different. Um, because really you have three different, well, four different sources of things that you need. You need your workers, which you have. But then you have, you need money because you've got different things that cost money. And then you've got, like we said at the early, the concrete mixers and those excavators. And you don't get very many of these to start the game off with. And they are a very, very valuable resource, these excavators and concrete mixers, because you need so many of them. And then when they sit on that wheel, it takes so long for you to get back. There literally is a space on the board, the action space, that says crank your wheel one time. You would think in a game, well, that's pretty bad. You're not going to use that. That spot gets used every single round. No, almost There's almost never a round that that sucker doesn't get used because you need to get your thing spun around so you can not only get your the tile back to maybe build something else that you need to build, but to also to get those either excavators or concrete mixers back. And it's really important, too, to be efficient in this game. I think if you are running a power plant thing and you're not fulfilling a contract, you're losing out. You you're gotta, doing a bad job. Yeah. You, you gotta have fulfill to fill those contract. contracts. Absolutely. You, you gotta keep stuff churning through and and get resources from those contracts and points from those contracts yeah. every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now are the are the player powers part of the base game or is that like an extra player gearing? powers are part of the base, base game. game. Yeah, okay. I'll gotcha. uh I'll hit I have played the expansion three times, so I'll hit up on that here maybe at the at the end of our game gotcha. talk. So but yeah, that the 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 player powers, all that is all part of the base game. And I think I think there are some of those that are probably easier to play with than others. There are some that feel, you know, like just like in Marco Polo, you know, they feel like they're easier to play with as a new player. Certainly that that, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the other thing that I I like about this game is your player board where you have your buildings, your dams and your elevations and your conduits. When you start to build those, you can start to uncover income. So it's, uh, you know, similar to uh, Gaia you know, like Project or Terramistica. Gaia Project or, yeah, Terramistica or, you know, even Scythe. When you start to move those off, you start to get, you know, new and, and you know income, which can be either cranks of the wheel, which are awesome, or it can get you money or it can even get you victory points. So sometimes it's really nice to start to try to concentrate on one row. You know, I mean, there's been times where I'm starting at the end, I'm building power, power conduits. 
I don't need any more power conduits, but I'm simply trying to get down to that end, mm-hmm. which gives you that seven point instant income or whatever, you know, so boom, it's seven points. So that's really a cool aspect of the game also. All right. So what about the expansion then? I like this game even better with the expansion, which is saying a lot because I really like the base game, but I don't want to give too much away here for final thoughts, but the expansion adds basically more contracts but the contracts to complete them you have to give up your excavators and your concrete mixers not just put them on the wheel (laughs) but literally have to give them up which is so painful but they're really good contracts sometimes they really give you some cool stuff so i like that you also have these buildings that you can like they're called personal buildings or something you can build one of your buildings so it's a new building thing that you can build you build it and it will allow you to then have a new action space for your workers that a lot of times are really good action spaces you know it might be pay a dollar and get two excavators or it might be you know pay three dollars and get a special tile or just even get a special tile so they're really good and they give you victory points at the end so it just adds another layer onto it. Now, I'll say this. If you just have the base game of Barrage, you are fine. It is a great game. But if you happen to have it, you play the base game a few times, and you're like, oh, I'd really like to see something else, the expansion is really, really wealth- worthwhile. I've only played the expansion at two. So I don't know necessarily, and we'll talk about player count, obviously, here in just a second, but I've only gotten the expansion at two. So I don't know where it kind of goes with when you get more players, but... Well, let's talk about player count because I think Ooh, now's yeah. a good time to talk about it. And I was really, uh, I had some misconceptions, I think, going in that were kind of changed with with me playing through multiple player counts. So, Richie, what, what, what was your experience with player count? I only got to play it at three. I mean, I, I thought it worked very well at that player count. I don't know. It wasn't that long with three. So I don't, I don't know. It, do you think four would be too much or? Well, I, I've, I've played the base game at four. I've played it. Plenty of times at three, and I played it a lot at two. And I'll say, I I really really like it at two. It is you would think a game that has that much interaction on the board, you'd think well maybe at two you just stay away from each other. Doesn't happen. You still have plenty of interaction. You're still fighting. You know, fist and nail, fist and fist nail. And nail. I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Tooth and nail out there trying to get to the you know to get to the water and trying to do you know. So you still have lots of interaction. You're still bad because. The spaces, the worker spaces get tighter, obviously, with less players. So you go down to less players or less worker spots. So two is great. I thought three was great. I thought four was almost too much for the game. Okay. It just felt a little too crowded and a little too random in the fact that you couldn't really work on any plans because it was so easy for somebody else to come in and kind of mess those plans up. Um, yeah, you have more worker placement slots, so that's fine. But the board itself doesn't change. It's still the same basic, you know, I think there's like four spots in each of the mountains, hills, and plains. So you've got those same spots, and so you're really having to fight for those spots. So it just it felt just a little tight for me at four. And the playtime obviously really starts to expand yeah. at four. And I thought a little much for me at four. I don't know if I'm dying to get it back to the table at four. I think it's really going to be a two or a three player game for me. Well, and I can see that because this is one where when somebody takes a turn, it can totally change the board state and your plans in that board state. So then right. you have to take some time to 
figure out what you're going to do next. So that's what would probably slow that down yep, in that exactly. in that yep. case. And when you have four, that's changing that's, a lot. That's a lot. Yep. The interesting thing, though, and I think we talked about it a little bit, but the interesting thing is is the interaction, kind of like brass in this game, where you can put a conduit by somebody else's dam, and they'll use that conduit, and you get money from it. So you may not get all the power and the victory points from that, but you will get money. So trying to find out the money and victory points. Oh, you get a money and a victory point every time somebody uses your conduit. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Sorry, uh, you just don't get to move up that track like they would. Right. Exactly. Yep. So, so basically. You know, it can be advantageous to set up something that's enticing for other players so that they use that. So you get a, a source of, you know, some generating some income and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I, I think it works. I think it works OK at all player counts. I just am saying for me, I think I just prefer it better. A little a two and a three player game for the most okay. part. But. Variability. I have played it. 12, 12, 13 times, something in that range. And I, it's got very good variability because you have different player powers. You have the, the base powers are, I have the expansion. So it also adds a fifth base power in it. So, you know, you've got that kind of gets a little bit to be the same because you don't have a lot to choose from there, but you obviously have lots of different player powers. Um, the board set up pretty much the same. There is variability in how much water starts out there and where, the three dams start the neutral dams that start the game off with. There's a variability there, but it's not huge. So I would say variability is average, maybe, maybe a little bit above average for me and what I would feel like the variability is. I haven't played it as many times as you have, but I, I do think there's pretty good variability in here just because of how, I, the the way and and maybe this isn't included in the game, but it's the way that it encourages the interaction that really feels like it changes things up constantly. But yes, when there is a setup on the board, and we'll talk about this in a second, I think. But when there is a setup on the board uh, where the headwaters are and how much comes out per round at each of those different spots, that can kind of change it up as well as again the player power that's also allied with another faction board or however you want to call that the, those combinations because some of those right. combinations actually work out better than others too where you're getting that second faction board where it chains together with your your country board even better so right like you just said uh chad it, even though the variability isn't high that the tension is so high in that game that i don't necessarily think that i i want to be worrying about all like if there's a bunch of different tiles out there every game sure like i don't mind that yep. the contracts are kind of the you know I, i'm gonna see the same contracts see the same uh, action tiles different things different things like that i mean i'm i have to worry so much about what the other players are doing in this game that i i think that that makes it replayable right right and, and like i said i was kind of answered the variability but if now if i'm going to go to replayability I, it's got tons of replayability because every game is so interactive yes there is so much different going on and there's not really any luck in this game. This game is all basically right there. Maybe a little bit of luck in what the contracts flip out, mm. but otherwise, it's all right there in front of you. You can see what everybody has. You can see what they can do, they, everything about it. So it is a very nice game in that fact that you don't have any luck variables that you're having to worry about. Yeah, about. I'd say once you've got your your starting setup after that, it's pretty much sure. it's pretty much straightforward. Yep. All right, fellas, I think it's time to score this puppy. All right, Richie, give us that wonderful punch board paradise rating scale. All right, so on. <laughs> scale. scale. 
So on Punchboard Paradise, we like to rate on a six-point scale, a one being a game that makes you miserable, and a six being a game that could possibly be in your top ten of all time. Woo, let's, all time. Okay. Let's go Chad. Chad. All right. What say you? Well, let me just say this game, this game, when I start to play it, it gives me a nervous feeling in the pit of my stomach. It just, I, I feel that tension right off the bat. And that's a good thing, but I also start to sweat. And like I said, I'm looking around the board and wondering if what I'm going to do, somebody else can see it. And if they're going to try to take that away or what their plans are, it is also for me, a great blend of strategy and tactical gameplay because it is like a couple other other games voyages of marco polo to be one you have to look at the board setup so when the game comes out and it's set up and you're gonna take your first turn everybody's kind of looking around the board like okay shut up for a minute i need it i just need to look at the board and see where everything's at where i want to go which neutral dam i'm going to start to try to feed off you know how I'm going to chain these things. So you have a lot of that. But then, invariably, your plants go to heck when somebody takes something that you didn't think they would see or they block off water that you thought you might get or they take that action space that you never dreamed they would take. And it, we talked last year about heaven and ale and that very basic thing of, oh, I'm going to go to this spot and I hope that somebody doesn't take the next spot. in front. This has that times 10 because you're just planning so many rounds ahead to try to get your engine going, to try to get those contracts cranked, to try to get your wheel around and get your resources. It is a tense game. It is a mean game. I enjoy every minute of it. I'm going to settle with a high five for my score on this one. I could see in a year this going up to a six when I get more plays of it. I'm going to get my own copy of this game, and I really, really enjoy this game as one of the strongest ones so far this year for me. I'm going to give it a Punchboard Paradise high five. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Well, you want to go next? You want me to go? Well, sure. I'll go next. I'll All go right. Next. Go for it. Um, and I, I agree with almost everything Chad said. I think the only, like, the game itself, I would give a five. The hold, on, hold on, you agree with the fact that when you sit down, you start to sweat, well, you not, get a pit in the stomach, no. and no, I, I do get nervous though. You, okay. you, you right, do get nervous checking. in this game. You, you do get said. nervous in the game. I'm not sweating, but I, you do get nervous <laughs> in the game. All right, fine. I have a hyperhidrosis <laughs> problem. All right, just <laughs> we move on. I would give the game a five. I'd give the production like a four, and there are things in that production that actually take away from the gameplay in my opinion uh especially if you just have the components and you don't have haspel connect laying around where you can take the water out of there um so i would probably land in like a 4.5 honestly mm. but i can't give gotta a, go down i can't give a 4.5 so i i think i would have to drop down to a four because it is something that i will wait until they fix these issues before i before i purchase it because clef has a copy so i don't need to buy it until I probably don't need to buy it, period. But <laughs> right, <laughs> but you but know we what I'm all saying. have problems, and we still do. But yes, okay. right, yes. So yeah, I, but still four. But it is a great game. Definitely one of the the best Euro games that has come out this year for sure. Okay, Clef. Well, you know the the components, yes, are an an issue, and certainly some of the people that got these really bad games, it's it's unfortunate. But certainly, I don't necessarily think that Cranial Creations meant to you know have those issues and i think they're trying to fix it they're sending out new water they're sending out new 
wheels, you know, so that they, those those people are not stuck with those bad games. And I know that they're probably trying to do everything they can for anybody who had a bad copy. And I, if you got one, I, I'm sorry. I, I got lucky, you know, on the fact that mine was in, in good shape or whatever. So I can withstand that. Now, gameplay, I really like this game. And I, boy, the first time I played it, it just, it fired off those, you know, those feelings. And we, somebody said earlier, you know, I mean, the difference, you know, the opposite that you have when you're playing Black Angel. And yeah, that's exact because I think I might have played this not maybe a day after Black Angel. And I said, you know, here is what a Euro game should be right here. You have high, intense decisions to make. Every single move you make, it's like, you know, it's one of those games where you make a move and like three turns later, you're like, ah, why did I do that? I should have saved that for that. Or I really needed to do that. Or why did I do that? And I love that. And I feel like there's a lot of those great decisions in here. There's interaction, which is becoming one of those things that more and more, I have to have some really good player interaction in a game to really feel like I'm, I'm involved in a, you know, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm battling with those other players that, that I'm trying to get those, whatever I'm trying to get done. So I really like that interaction. Um, I, I'm going to give this one for, it's going to be in my top 10 games of the year, period. No question about it. Is it a top 10 game for me of all time? No, it's not there. It's not that good. It's good, but it's not that good. So it's going to be a five. I think it's just going to be a solid five. I don't even know if I would say a high five like Chad. I'm just going to give it a solid five. It's a great game. It's a game that I was, it's not leaving my collection. It's another, you know, home run for Simone Luciani and a string of good games that he's obviously produced. And I think it's it's solid in my top 10 for the year. So a solid five. So there you have it, Punch Bunch. The Punchboard Paradise fellas give Barrage a five from Clef, a four from Richie, and a high five from Chad. <laughs> oh, all right. High five from Chad. I like it. So. High five. <laughs> <laughs> So, what else we got? We got anything else? We should do some BGG. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. People have been wanting that. All right. Well, what is, we're, we're on what, 110 through 119? Is that correct? That is right, sir. All right. What's our first game? The first game is from Bezier Games, and that is Suburbia. All right. I like Suburbia. Yeah. yeah solid game. Good, good, solid game. Now, oh no, you didn't like Castles, right? Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Yeah, right? I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of Castles. You know, uh, Suburbia, I, I enjoyed. I mean, I bought it, I played it, I sold it, but it was good. <laughs> you know, see, I really like Suburbia. I like the the fact that you don't want to shoot out too quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get your neighborhood up and running way too fast, then all of a sudden you start hitting those red lines and you start losing income. Like, you have to get your income up early. So that once you start crossing those lines, you're still getting a little bit of cash flow towards the end. And then towards the end, then you're going to try to push up your reputation so you get those points. You're talking about crossing the lines with population. You get to Yeah, the population population. lines. Yep. Yeah. It's a nice give and take, push and pull there. And this one plays better at two players than Castles does uh, as well, I think. Yeah, Yeah, probably. Good game. All right. So number 111 is Chronicles of Crime. Uh. Chad, that's all you, I'm guessing. <laughs> I haven't played Chronicles oh, of Crime. No? Really? I, 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 I mean, I would, given the chance, but I mean, 
I this is the only one that probably I'm going to play with my mom and my sister who really like those kind of games, and I don't see them often enough to make a special game purchase usually just for them. So I don't know. Uh, I just I, I would be open to it. Hmm. So uh, it sounds interesting. So that's a complete whiff from the yeah. Uh, from the yeah I'm here, just. Huh? Yeah, I'm done with those types of games. I, I just don't really have any interest in... I was done with them before I started. Dive, <laughs> diving into them. Well, for our listeners who aren't aware, it's one of those games where you're trying to solve a mystery. It's a little less... It's a little more contained from mystery to mystery, it seems like, rather than the detective where five five stories are all combined to answer one overarching mystery. And it is a little bit more... Uh, less complicated, let's say. And you're basically looking through this viewfinder on your phone to kind of look at a crime scene and then making decisions about what to investigate and check out. So I'm, I like what they're doing with the app. I like uh, I like that app integration, and that actually looks looks cool. Just not not my type of game, that's all. Yeah, sure. All right. All right, one, uh, 112 is our type of game, especially Clef, and that is Nations. Ooh, I'll take care of this one, guys. You guys sit back and relax. Uh this is one of my top 10 favorite games right here. This game is 10,000 times better than Through the Ages. You heard me, Ben Maddox. Um, <laughs> the neutered uh, version of uh, Through the Ages. <laughs> <laughs> this game has more player interaction than Through the Ages could ever hope to have. What? Yes, there is so what? much player interaction in this game. You've got to be dealing with the stability track. you got to be dealing with the military track. you got to be dealing with... The cards that you're trying to purchase before other people get to them. You have the architecture dealing with the turmoil cards, which granted I realize turmoil cards are part of the expansion, but this game has a ton of interaction and is one of the best Euro games out there. Punch Bunch. Our guild is three two two seven. You can get on and tell Clef how crazy he is I, for saying Nations has I, more player interaction oh, than Through the Ages. Through the Ages doesn't have any player interaction. You're just kind of you're you're taking <laughs> oh one card gosh. and then you're doing your whole thing by yourself. You, oh, there's that. What about war of, and that weird military <laughs> war thing? I don't. <laughs> now this is also one of your most played games, isn't it? Oh, I've played Nations. 50 plus, maybe 60 plus times. I don't know. I've played it a ton. Uh, there was a point there where we used to play it every, we played it once a week and, uh, you know, every time it's, it's different every time. That's the other thing. I mean, it has so much variability and so much replayability through the ages. You're seeing the same every time you're going to see the same cards. never going to be different. It might be different of where they come out, but they're never going to be different. Where in nations, you might have Abraham Lincoln come out. You may not have a William Lincoln come out. So there is more variability in the game, yet no less strategic. So I I understand Through the Ages is probably the more respected game and more people like it, but I'm calling it out right now. Uh, you know, Edward from Heavy Cardboard is wrong. Ben Maddox is wrong. I'm throwing the gauntlet down right now. Nations is the better game. <laughs> I don't know. This just turned into some other oh, segment. Yeah, I know. Gosh, <laughs> wow. Chad, did you? Because we played it at uh, Pretzcon a long time ago. Uh, yeah. and that was my only game. Yeah. Uh, that was my only game of it. Okay. Have you played it since then at all? I haven't played it since then i've played it i played it before then but i haven't played it since then um i would definitely play again it's just you know yeah i definitely want to try it again I, that was definitely i don't think that was the right situation no, for it. it was noisy we had played a bunch of games it was a five-player game Everybody yeah he was yeah. learning so so you want to just wrap this podcast up and go play it right now <laughs> sure uh, all right all moving right. on moving on number 113 the lord of the rings the card game i'm going to look at chad because i think maybe <laughs> Yeah, he has played this one. Look he looks at like Chad too. I played it online. 
That's it. That counts. Ooh. All right. Kinda. Okay. Does you that talk, count? You I'm not. Talk, well, I mean, you could you could have put in your BG. Uh, what's that? BG. What's BG stats? Yeah, BG stats. That's right. You can <laughs> put it in there. <laughs> I thought there I was another it. letter I after BG. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't enter it, but uh, I have played the. It's a cooperative card game, and it its emphasis is on deck building, and uh, you know it, it is interesting. It's 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 a little bit more rules heavy and deck building heavy than I wanted to get. I'll tell you, and this is just kind of a, a preview, but I'm really interested in the Marvel Champions system that's going to come out here in November that is another cooperative LCG that Fantasy Flight is putting out. They also have Arkham Horror, which I haven't played. But again, this Marvel system, I think I'm more interested in because it makes the deck building part a little bit easier, but you're still making a few decisions. And then I really, I, I, I really like how the rules are a little bit more streamlined than than the Lord of the Rings. Now, it seems like Lord of the Rings, some of the rules, just like the the War of the Ring game, some of the rules are there and a bit nitpicky to make it more thematic because it's really trying to tell a story. So if you're into that and you love that, then that might be something for you to look at. I know it's a well-revered game and quite a few people really love it. I just had the one play online and didn't didn't get much into it. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, are we, <laughs> we're back? Okay. All right, number 114. I know Clef has played this one. Uh -oh. And that is Dinosaur Island. I Already up it. to 114. Wow. Pretty good. That shocks me. You neither one of you guys have played it? No. No, I'd like a, I want the slap bracelet though. Uh yeah, that, that that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it is a average worker placement game, but you know, it was I think I played it 3 times maybe. I think that's about right. You can the interesting thing that I liked about it is you can play a short game, a medium game or a long game. However, don't ever play the short game because it is ridiculously short um but you know it's worker placement you're building buildings and trying to house dinosaurs and then trying to make different genetic codes to you know reproduce the dinosaurs and then you've got people coming to the park to see the dinosaurs and you've got these hooligans that can like cut in line so then they don't pay you money so then you don't get money out of coming to see your dinosaur park it's good uh you know not anything that i would ever search out to actually own but it was worth the few plays that i played of it now, see, I played Dinogenics, but I haven't played that one. I, I like Dinogenics okay. I, mean, I think I played that one. Did Jake show us that? I think, yeah. I, I played it with Jake. You weren't yeah. at that play, but he, he might have shown you yeah, as well. Yeah, I think he showed it to me as well. Did you, did you what did you feel? Like, did you I like that one better? Or? Kinda, uh, I really can't even maybe distinguish between the two of them, so I can't even remember right now in my head which mechanic was which. I know the hooligans were in Dinosaur Island, but... Other than that, was that when you were more trying to make the genetic code? You had to try to get the, you had to get the different, like the, you had the basic DNA and the advanced one. Is that that one? Yeah, yeah. pretty much because you had the, the dinosaur cards. And so yeah. when you had the dinosaur cards together, I think Jake prefers the randomness of dinogenics to the randomness of dinosaur island. It, just yeah. the way yeah. that it's introduced feels a yeah. little bit more that you have control in yeah. dinogenics. But hey, I don't know. If you guys had a chance to play it, I would say give it a shot, you know, but I mean, it's it's nothing special to write home about or anything. Okay. All right, number 115. I know me and Chad have played this. I don't know about Clef. And that is Arcadia Quest from uh, <laughs> Cool Mini or Not and Clef, Eric Lang. Clef has played this. Clef, I am shocked. Clef I mean, owned this game. I kind of want to... You owned <laughs> Arcadia Quest? This was very early in my gaming I want to. I want to go back in time and meet this Clef, because I, uh, I could not imagine this Clef today. This this was the Clef that was like, uh, yeah, I, I bought seven board games. Oh, really? Like this year? No, this 
weak. I mean, yeah. I was buying board <laughs> games like they were water. And uh, that was one of the ones I bought. And I played it with my uh, my kids. And I can't remember if I ever played it with anybody else, but this was, you know, obviously long before I knew you guys and such like that. And yeah, I hated it. So it's <laughs> long been sold. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see you hated it. it. It's a game that I still own. I haven't played it in a long time, but it's one of those that I'm hanging on to play with Knox when he's sure. a little bit okay. older. Good, good. It, it's definitely like a beer and pretzels type game where you're just throwing dice and just doing wacky things with your character. So. Beer and pretzels minis game. Is, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's and that's. I, I think actually Finn would probably like it. And in, in yeah, that probably. Respect. But yeah, when we played it, it was fine. Um, it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing, I guess. But you know, it, it's it's one of those where you get to beat up on each other and watch each other get totally, you know, messed Toes, up. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, number one sixteen. Code names duet. I'm surprised this is this low. Where is Code Names at? Do we remember? It was in the top 100. I don't remember exactly mm. what number it was. I, I like Code Names Duet better than I like Code Names. I agree. It's Agreed, the best yeah. way to play it, I think. <laughs> and that's weird because it's obviously cooperative, you know, for coming from me, but I just, I really enjoy that double or triple assassin and how the different words, I, it just works really well. Well, and what's the best thing about Code Names? It's about being the, the clue giver. And if you are the if you're playing duet, each person gets to be the clue giver yeah, at once. So exactly. you get it. Not only do you get a clue giver, get you get to be the guesser too. It just it works so much. I don't get me wrong. I love code names, and I'd play code names in a big group, no problem. But I like code names duet better. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite version of it. And I mean, I still have code names, and I think I even have code name pictures, but they're all in one box. And I mean, if if I had started with code names duet, I think that would be the only version that I would own because that's. The only time I'm going to play it, I just play with Jessica. It, it has uh, started more fights than I expected, but <laughs> and I think I, I have. And I'll see if I have this picture still on my phone. If I still have the picture on my phone, but one of the, the one there was a blow up fight because I gave a clue. It was a great clue. I'll put it in the Slack if I can find it, and she just could not get it. It was to win the game, and she could not get it. So I think I, I remember this, and I, think I yeah, I think I showed you guys. Picture. I think you, I showed you, you guys. Texted right away, and you're like, "What do you get from this?" Uh, <laughs> great. My my friend Corey that I play games with sometimes, we, you know, we obviously play heavy Madeira and heavy games. We'll almost always start our night off if it's just me and him right away. We'll say, hey, let's play some Code Names Duet. That's like our starting off game. So yeah, it's great game. All right, number one seventeen, Hansa Titanica. It, okay, I've played it. <laughs> well, okay, I've played it. Sure. Okay. And I love it, but it doesn't hit the table as much as I would think for a game that I feel like I love. And I don't know why that is. I, well, it, it it doesn't necessarily matter, but it is it is bone dry as far as theme. Yes. It yeah, is bone that dry. Mean, that means no, that doesn't me. mean nothing. That doesn't mean nothing. That doesn't mean <laughs> anything to most of us. But I will say that I think... The interactivity is is interesting in it, but it just the one play that I had of it with all of us, it it just it fell was, off. It was like the container play. It was a bad play. It was a bad play because you guys kept pushing it to me to be the mean one, and I and I did not want to be the mean one in that game. And then no one did anything. I, I just went to affect people. Yeah, well, I just went straight across the board, and like almost no one messed with me. Yeah. and if you get straight across the board, you get like a whole bunch of extra bonus points or whatever, and you should never let that happen at least easily. And there was not as much, like, I played this game the first time ever 
with a couple of my other friends, Jeremy and Serge. And these guys are a couple of, you know, they'll do anything to try to dick each other over, you know, or whoever they're playing. And that's the type of game it was. And it was great because it was like, oh, you stopped me there and I'm stopping you here and I'm mean to you here and I'm mean to you there. And it had a ton of player interaction. And that five-player game we had was like <laughs> the no most nothing going on. <laughs> so I think that's a little bit of it is that last play. You know, I haven't played Container since that last play. Mm. And I don't think Container is a bad game. It's just sometimes when you have that sour taste in your mouth and I have some like, you know, some savory taste for Wildcatters or something, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to pull Wildcatters back out yeah. because I know how good that is because of the last time I played it. Now, Hanzo, I believe, is getting a reprint. I think they announced that it's going to reprint, possibly a re-theme. I might just be making that part and up, but it's definitely artwork, getting a reprint. I'm guessing by the man who does all the reworks of uh, art. Is that right? Is it? Probably. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to look it back up, but I know it is getting a reprint here pretty soon. But yeah, I definitely want to play it again, just like Container, because I mean that play was it just it was off. Yeah, for sure. And I I would agree with you on this game. Like I tried to get my son to play this the other night with uh, well uh, Chad and I and my son were looking for a game. And I said, you know, I need to play Hansa for another one on my challenge. And Mason looked at the box and he goes, no, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, yeah, the box doesn't look great. Well, he just said, I think you listed a bunch and he was like, yeah, I could go with any of those except that one. Yeah, it was pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty much yeah. it. So, all right, what's next? All right, number one eighteen is a great two-player game that my wife will not play anymore, and that is Jaipur. Oh, why won't she play it anymore? Because I crush her every time. You oh. stick her with a camel. It's one, wow. it's one of those games that just <laughs> like Nippon, like I, I'm just randomly good at, and yeah. I almost always win. She she won't I play with me. I will never anymore. beat you in Nippon ever. It's just not happening. But. um yeah, uh, I played it. Chad, I'm assuming you've played it. Yeah, and in fact, I got this for my in-laws. It was the second game that I got them when they asked me, what do they play besides Scrabble? And they love it. Their copy is so yeah. dog-eared. And they, when we talk weekly, they brag about who beat who last in Jaipur. So it's it's great. Yeah, um, I my wife and I have played it. I, I think I'm at the point just where I've played it enough where I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't need to play it anymore. But, I mean, it's still a solid game. And if you are out there, you're looking for a two-player game, that's got to be on the top of your list if you've never played it because it is a great two-player game. Yeah, I always recommend it, uh, recommend it to couples when they ask yeah. for games. And it just got re-released with the uh, Vincent Dutrait art yeah, your here recently. So. Ooh. All right, so the last one. I don't know if any of us have played this one. The last one, 119, is Captain Sonar. I'm going to guess maybe Chad, if anyone. Or actually, maybe Clef. You get those I've, big groups I've together. Played it. Clef yeah. has played, played it. it. I have I've this game, and I still haven't played it. I asked people to play it, but man, you really you have to have like a lot of players have to eight, play this right? game. Is it four on each side? You could play with like doubling up, but I've heard that's really hard, especially if most people haven't played to double up roles. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I played it at six, so it was three on three, and I played it at four on four. And well, I played it on three on three first, and then. Somebody said, oh, you got to play it at four on four. Um, so I played it for the second time, and uh, that was the last time that I'll play it. <laughs> it is just not my game. I can see where it's a pretty fun game for people who like those type of fun games, but I'm just sitting there, and somebody's calling out coordinates, and I'm, like, checking boxes off because I'm, like, doing – I don't know. just wasn't – just not me. That's all I'm going to say. I know our one of our local listeners, Jake, he loves this game, and I know uh, – I think Dan likes it too. I mean, I know a lot of – heavy gamers that like that game. So I think if you haven't tried it and you can get a big group, definitely do. 
Just not for me. Well, it's a, it's a really tense, real-time game of Battleship where everybody's got a very specific role and you're there's a torpedo person who's hunting around for you and then there's a captain who's doing different stuff. I mean, you know, I think it's a great experience game. The only problem with it is you seriously have to ask yourself, how often am I going to get this played? But if you have the chance at a con, you should totally try it. Yeah, and, and I think it also is going to depend on the people you play with. I mean, if you play with... You know, if you want to have a good, fun, boisterous time, you might, you know, want those people. Or you could probably play this fairly serious, I'm guessing, if you wanted to also. So that's, Ugh. you know, that was, I'm just guessing no, you no, could yeah, yeah. if you and wanted I could to. definitely see there's probably people that, that do that, but it yeah. does not seem like the type of game. Yeah. But also, in the same respect, I don't, like a lighthearted game like that, I don't know if I want to go around and teach four people on my side different roles. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, it just seems like too much for the type of gamers that I think I would play this game with. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. That's, you know, I mean, that's the whole, you know, when you teach somebody, you know, Root or, or Vast or any of those games where you have to teach every single role, that takes a lot longer to teach a game than, you know, teaching just the basic game. So, yeah. All right. So how many uh, did you have out of the 10, Clef? Uh Eight. Eight of the 10. That's I have good. not played the Chronicles of Narnia, and I have not played <laughs> the Lord of the Rings. So, All right. What about Chronicles? No. It was close enough. Close enough. Okay. Yep. So, yep. Go back to sleep. <laughs> um, I, I have played seven, I think. So, I'm close. I think. Okay. Yeah. And I've only played five out of this group. Ooh. The, the, the beginning there was wow. rough for me. Mr. Yeah. Omnigamer. No, only five. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll start nations hundred percent. No question about it. My favorite on the top 10. This Jed. is tough for me. I, I, I might pick nations, but I just don't feel like I've played it enough or played it enough recently. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Codenames duet. Mm. I just, I really like Codenames duet. And I think, uh, suburbia actually is, that was one mm. of the first games I purchased. I do have an insert for it. Yes, uh, you Gabby, that is a, a good game to have an insert for. <laughs> yes, so, it is. Yes. Did you did you get the, you didn't get the no, tower, no, that no, blinking no. light up tower that it was the Kickstarter? No, that was too much. <laughs> what? That was crazy. Too much for that you? was too much. Wow. That was too much. That's right. tapestry. That's getting in the right. tapestry zone. It's too much. <laughs> tapestry zone. All right. You know how like heavy cardboard has like Rococo is like the medium weight. Yeah. We're gonna start to have like you know tapestry being the too high end for up for Richie component upgrades. So <laughs> that will be the, the standard for. Richie. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, I, I just want to say uh, next week or when this comes out, the end of the week is going to be sort of an extra life thing, especially here in Omaha at the game shop in Bellevue and or, excuse me, the game shop in Bellevue and in Omaha. We're going to be as Punchboard Paradise. We're going to be there as much as we can. I have uh, an anniversary that weekend. Richie has a wedding, but Clef is going to be there, and we'll try to Clef's be there got too. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be playing some games at the game shop in Omaha. If you guys, you know, Extra Life is a really great thing. We've been involved at the Children's Hospital in Omaha, and uh, it it raises money for a really good cause for for these kids. So. If you feel that that's a worthy cause and you'd love to give some money, I think the game shop spelled S-H-O-P-P-E in Omaha and in Bellevue on Facebook, you can look them up and I think they have a link to their site. We're going to be playing through them. So if you want to, if you feel like it's a worthy cause, I'd encourage you to donate. And if you're in the area, please come out and say hey. Yeah, and you can come out. You can uh, have a chance to play, obviously, games with us or... Um, and then you can donate right there at the shop too. They will be taking donations, and like you said, I mean, this is 
this is for the kids and, you know, trying to take care of some of those uh, sick kids and help out those parents that obviously it's, it's, it's tough on them. So definitely it's a great cause. And I mean, it's a, it's a great fun thing. And the game shop puts on a great time. They definitely always have some, uh, some fun raffles and different things. And, you know, they'll, they'll do some fun stuff. And it's, if you've never been to either of the game shops, the, they're top notch. They do, they have, you know, they have stuff to drink, you know, they'll, uh, they have, uh, obviously lots of board games to play, lots of great, uh, um, titles and, uh, in their library and Norm, who's the owner of the game shop is, is a great ambassador. And really honestly, uh, Becky, who is the, uh, I don't really know the what heart the heck, and soul of yeah, the game I, shop. Call it, I don't know really what her title is there, but yeah, <laughs> she really is the heart and soul of that place. And, one of the nicest people that I have ever met. She cares so much about people getting to have fun playing board games. It's it's a great thing, and I mean, she is she's truly one of the one of the gems of the board gaming world. We had a great time last year when we did it, so I I'd, I'd highly uh, encourage people to check it out. And if you can't, you know, do something in your area. It's a really nice thing. I love seeing this time of year people getting together to to give money for a worthy cause. In fact. Uh, Wizards of the Coast is actually doing something. I don't know if you guys saw about it. They're putting out a promotional thing from their Magic the Gathering line that is actually My Little Ponies. And it's actually oh, called, yeah, yeah. It's called Ponies the Galloping, actually. And uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I just, like I said, I love seeing this time of year people getting together for a worthy cause. So please support it wherever you feel like you can. Get involved and have a good time enjoying the hobby that you love together. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, absolutely. And we'll I'll reach out to Becky. We'll get the link in the show notes. For oh, great. The, so they can donate directly to the game shop. Perfect. Or through the game shops. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good call. Good call. Thanks, Richie. Yeah. Um, and don't forget, if you're interested in also getting a chance to play with us, ATBCon is still an option. Still got open spots there. So if anybody's interested in that, by all means, definitely uh, get a hold of one of us and we can get you in contact with somebody there if you're still interested in coming out and having some fun in Nebraska in the middle of January. It is awesome. All right, Punch Punch. We will join you again in two weeks. But for now, thanks so much for listening. Thanks, everybody. And Ben Coberly just texted me and said, give him a shout out. So, Ben, there's your shout out. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at punchboarders. We are on Instagram at punchboardparadise and Facebook at punchboardparadise. <laughs>